0: For more information on the Ex Mormon Files Internet Video Program, please visit ExMormonFiles.com. That's E X MormonFiles.com. And now, here's Earl.
1: Good evening, and welcome to the Ex Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm grateful that you would spend some of your evening with us tonight. I hope you learned something tonight. I'm really honored and privileged and proud to be able to introduce my wife, Carla Erskine, Carla Godwin Erskine. Thanks for coming and sharing your story with us tonight, Carla.
2: I'm really happy to do so, Earl. It's actually really an honor. And before you start, there are a few things that I would like to say. I hope I don't get too emotional. But I need to share with those listening when we came out of the church and what type of a person you are your integrity your truthfulness i mean you never sugarcoat anything you always have told the straight truth you're so honorable you've never been one to listen to a dirty joke no one to to, to swear And I love you so much, and I do trust you. And I heard in a uh, lesson one time that more than love between a couple is trust. That is the most important thing. And I was criticized when you came out of the church by family members that said, I would follow you anywhere. And I just have so much trust in you. And I praise God that we could do this together.
1: It has been really interesting and been, joyful. hasn't it really has. Thanks, I appreciate you saying all that, Carla. Well, as we usually do, um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing in the in the church.
2: Well, I'm. I guess I'm a third or fourth generation Mormon. My grandparents migrated or came across the ocean in the early 1900s on both sides. Yeah and they had um, family that disowned them for joining the church. But they came here and both families raised fine children uh, to believe in the LDS church. And my mom and her mother was, my grandma was almost like a second mom to me. We spent so much time together and they were just such devout LDS My dad was not very active in the church, but he worked for the church. And he did a lot of the um, refurbishing in the temple. Salt Lake Temple. Yeah, the Salt Lake Temple. um, You know, when they go in for their remodeling or once a year thing, whatever they do. And he also got on scaffolding and got up and would re gold leaf the angel Moroni. Wow. In fact, we have a piece of that gold leaf somewhere at home in our memorabilia. And that was always a treasure to me. And one of the most memorable experiences that I had as a child, and I still tear up about this because it was so special. And it has been difficult to leave the church. But when I was eight years old, I had the opportunity to sing in a children's choir in the Salt Lake Tabernacle as we introduced the song to the church for the first time, I am a child of God. Yeah. And um, President David O. McKay walked right in front of me with long white hair. I remember the pictures I saw of him, he had short hair. Yeah. But he came in with long white hair and I think maybe he had a beard and was walking with a cane, but. That is such a special memory to me from my childhood.
1: There was the prophet. Huh?
2: The prophet, and mm-hmm. he was so old <laughs> with <laughs> his white hair. But um, I remember being a lark, bluebird, and a seagull, and uh, my mother was always in the Relief Society presidency or she was young women's president or mutual in those days. Yeah. And so I was totally involved in the church and loved my years as a teen with her always in leadership positions. She
1: always wrote road shows and stuff.
2: Oh yes, yeah, she wrote road shows and of course I was in all of them and yeah. th- my life was the church. Yeah, I and know
1: you earned a lot of awards, young women's awards. Oh, individual
2: awards and mm. um, I think it was still called Gleaners then uh, and Golden Gleaner.
1: Oh, Golden Gleaner. I yeah, know. I
2: think it was, because I met you in M. Men and Gleaners, as yeah. I remember. And um, just always was such...
1: Yeah. Seminary? Oh, yeah, some? I was
2: a four-year graduate from oh. seminary. Yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned I got my individual awards. Right. And um, was just involved with my mom in all her callings
1: so the church was everything it Did was, you have it was a testimony of it do you think
2: well i knew it was true as a
1: youth i suppose yeah, yeah you know i you never questioned it i guess no
2: i never questioned it especially because my grandparents had been disowned but they knew the church was true and had come across the ocean i mean i never gave it a second thought that this this wasn't true. there could
1: be any problems with the church no. and you never heard anything that kind of Question no. made you question? Or no, anything? I
2: really didn't, wow. and uh, knew I wanted to marry a returned okay. missionary. That was important to me, and um, I will say, my father, any calling that my mother had, he was called to that calling.
1: Yeah.
2: Even though he didn't attend church, church very much, he was able to go to the temple with Diana and myself. When we were married, he would get himself ready. When
1: we were married in the temple, yeah, he, when we he were got married ready.
2: To go, yeah. and he always turned his paychecks over to my mom, and she always paid, paid the a full tidy. tithing <laughs> their whole well, married life. Well, he must life. get some
1: blessings for that, don't you think?
2: Oh, I guess. I, guess. I don't know, but I don't know. He, uh, I mean, he helped my mom with all her lessons, all her yeah. callings, total support yeah, there from him. Good
1: example, then.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful, sweet man.
1: So, we marry. We find each other and yeah, get married?
2: Well, we met in MN Men and Cleaners, yeah. and it was a quick engagement. Yeah. And,
1: uh... Well, I was a returned missionary and told to get going, so... I
2: know, and you wanted to... We <laughs> it got, was the
1: next thing to do.
2: <laughs> we got engaged in October, and you wanted to get married in December.
1: Right, but that wasn't going to no, work out. No, my mom
2: had a fit, so yeah. she wanted us to wait till June, but... We compromised and got married in February.
1: She gave me the February date, and so I picked the fifth. I mean, it, as early as I could in February. So uh-huh, that's anyway. true. Okay, so what what do we do for a while?
2: Well, we are just active in the church and live yeah. our lives, and uh, have
1: four kids. And we
2: do two, yeah. our three boys Thank and you. one girl, and two are now out of the church, as you know and the two are in the church and hold leadership positions in their wards and stake. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they both married returned missionaries, both of our boys. Yeah. And uh, it's just been a really hard time. And I think that if you say anything that I have lost or that we have lost, I guess would be respect yeah. from the four of them. And
1: the two of them. oh those four yeah, the two married kids.
2: Yeah. yeah and um they're heartbroken yeah uh, we i had we had one son just cry on christmas in our home
1: yeah now before we get too far into our journey out you had a couple of experiences that you wanted to share i think and things that maybe god was kind of tapping you on the shoulder along the way and
2: yeah, I appreciate you reminding me of that, <laughs> Yeah. but one of my um, favorite pictures has always been the picture of Jesus standing at the door and he's knocking yeah. but there's no doorknob on his side of the door. Yeah. And we need to let him in, otherwise he has no way to come in. And as I look back and I think over the years, I know that this great, wonderful God that I really didn't know about at that time. I know that he was working in my life and that the, they were. he was knocking. I was opening the door, but I wasn't letting him in. Hmm. And I had a few questions that I wondered about with the church. But being so naive and so committed... I never thought to investigate them. What
1: was one of those questions?
2: Well, the first one was, why didn't Jesus talk about temple marriage, temple ordinances, you know, like baptism for the dead?
1: Maybe he didn't know they were important.
2: I don't know, but he didn't talk about them in the Bible, and they weren't in the Book of Mormon either.
1: No, they are not there either.
2: No, and that was one thing, and then, I always wished that I was an adult convert to the church so oh. that I could be rebaptized. And
1: really be clean. Huh? And
2: really be forgiven of my sins thus far. And uh, it always bothered me that children at age eight were so accountable and for their sins. I mean, what sins does an eight year old commit?
1: Well, and on the other hand, how how much can they really turn themselves over to christ i mean there could be a few here and there but at eight what do you know of christ and being willing to turn yourself to him
2: and to represent him yeah you know that's just really an interesting thought and you know as i i held my callings in the church i've been a primary president been in that was always my favorite place to be was in primary and I've been in the state primary a couple of times and um, in Relief Society presidencies and in the Stake Relief Society yeah. presidencies, but my favorite place was always primary because these little children, that's where the angels were.
1: Yeah.
2: But as I moved on in my life, I had two other, I think, well, the first one was kind of an eye-opener and the second experience was very profound. Well tell us the first me. one first. Okay, the first one was about five years ago there was a meteor shower.
1: Right.
2: And you and I went up Immigration Canyon and parked in an open field area to watch the meteor shower. It was about midnight. And I remember thinking, how great is this God? What a wonderful God he is, he's so huge, he's so much bigger than I ever imagined. And I thought to myself, I want to worship the first God. I don't want to worship a God in the LDS church that one time had lived on an earth, was a sinner, had multiple wives in heaven. He wasn't good enough for me I wanted to worship the one and only God, an Almighty God, yeah. the Almighty God, and I was still LDS, of course, and thought, well, I can do that on my own. I'm, that's just who I'm deciding I'm going to worship.
1: Well, I know you shared that with me at the time, and I totally dismissed it. It didn't impact on didn't impact me at all in that regard. I guess I right. just wasn't. You My were already
2: questioning though, weren't you?
1: But it wasn't about God and Jesus ever. It was always about the doctrines the of the church. But
2: right. And then the other experience was we were on a family picnic and um, with all of our children, they were all there, and we were up at Donut Falls in Big Cottonwood Canyon. And I remember hiking up to the falls, which is unusual for me because I'm not very athletic took me quite a while to get there and to get down this steep cliff, but I remember walking across the river and I sat on a huge rock on the other side under a even bigger pine tree and I looked up at the grandeur of the falls and could hear the sound of the water rustling down and I felt the cool spray of the water on my face. And I looked up at this these steep cliffs on either side of this canyon and their majesty and I could see the pine trees at the top and surrounding this whole thing was the most beautiful blue sky and I started to sob and I could feel the presence of God all around me and I realized What a supreme, glorious God he was, and I truly was worshiping the true God, even though I was so LDS at the time. But I remember hikers would come by, and several young men said to me, are you all right? And I said, oh, I'm just fine, and I just sat there sobbing. Mm. I must have sat there for half an hour, and I cried all the way back down the mountain. I still had opened the door, for Jesus, but I hadn't let him in.
1: Yeah, what um, what happens next? I guess.
2: <laughs> well, what happens next? About a year or two later, is my husband is very unhappy.
1: Yeah.
2: Very frustrated, and I didn't know why. Yeah. You know, you'd retired before me, and then I retired, and I thought, boy, Earl can't get used to me being home. Yeah. And. Uh, So finally, and the kids came from Phoenix for For, Christmas, Christmas. our one uh, son and his family, and uh, they noticed a difference in you and said, what is the matter with Dad? And I didn't know what uh, was wrong. I said, I have no idea, but he's so frustrated.
1: And finally I said to you, well, there is something, but it's pretty big and I... Or said, what did I say? You
2: said it's life-altering, and I don't want to tell you. And I never for a minute, I thought you'd had a vision, or an angel had come to you. But I, I thought you'd think
1: I'd had an affair or something. never
2: thought you'd had an affair because you are so honorable and trustworthy. I had no doubt that, that you know that yeah. you weren't doing something like that. But I knew there was something big. So finally in February of was it 2011, mm-hmm. you finally told me. You came in the front room, I was sitting there faithfully reading my Book of Mormon. I think
1: we should use the word pester in there somewhere about <laughs> your pestering me, but anyway, I finally can <laughs> finally uh, acquiesced and said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll tell you. And I had this long list of stuff, right?
2: Yes, and those that know me would appreciate the word pest. I mean, <laughs> I was after you for several months. Are you going to tell me
1: today? Are you going to tell me tomorrow? That's, okay.
2: Yeah, that's it. Anyway, so truth. I finally tell you. So you finally tell me, and it was just so surreal. I had no idea that was anything that you were going to say. It was just so shocking that I don't know how I felt, but the next few days were really hard for me, and my one son that lives here in salt lake we went to phoenix to visit our my other son and um i was so glad to get away from you yeah and i didn't want to come home to you and the next six weeks were a little hairy at our house we didn't fight but i was very sullen and depressed and you were trying to tell me things and um Finally, it started to click. But I had to see everything for myself that you had found. Everything was in church books. Nothing was anti-Mormon. Yeah. was all approved things. And so I told you these things, or you told me these things. I had to read them for myself and look at the documentation. Yeah. And then finally, I started to understand where you were coming from and decided for myself that the church wasn't true. Well, what were we gonna do? I mean, I was serving in the Relief Society Presidency at this time. You were, I think, in the high priest group, in the high priest group leadership at this time, and had been in the bishopric in this ward, and um, we thought, we've gotta go tell the bishop. And we knew that he would ask us, have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you been to the temple? And so we went to the temple for the last time. And I know that um, we were going through for someone else, not for ourselves. But I had a really time, hard time with the um, promises that were asked of me. And the hardest one was, of course, that I would give everything the church. to the church. And I thought, to the church? You know, what about? to the Lord. And then when we were sitting in the terrestrial room, just before we went through the veil, of course, I had the prayer. And i veiled my face and I was pleading with God, please tell me if the church is true or not. I mean, my whole eternity depends on this. And a voice came to me and said, it's not true, let it go. What a joyous moment that was for me. I didn't know what was ahead, yeah. but that was so joyful.
1: So I get through and walk across the floor in the celestial room and <laughs> she's sitting away in a chair quite a ways away with this big smile on her face. And I'm thinking, oh no, I am in deep trouble here. <laughs> but gratefully you said, told me about this little sense you had uh, uh, and that it wasn't true, let it go. And right. Made you thought my I was, yeah. yeah, I thought we were going to say, I know the church is true. We're <laughs> No. Going.
2: I mean, it was all like you do not to giggle yeah. in the <laughs> celestial room, and yeah. that's, you know, it's silent in there.
1: So we end up going to a Bible study, right?
2: We did. Yeah. Um, we, we went on uh, in April. It was General Conference that Sunday, and we thought it was really safe. We were just going to a Bible study. So up family,
1: at, we've gone to a Bible study.
2: Right, up at the U., I met Sean McCraney. Yeah. You'd tried to force a mommy over the, those initial six weeks. <laughs> and I said, I can't stand that. I can't take anymore. <laughs> and we went up there to that Bible study. And I walked in the room and burst into tears. And he prayed with us.
1: You know, I'd never had that happen. He put his arms around us and prayed with us, just like Christians do. And we'd never experienced no, that, had I mean, we? It,
2: it was so unbelievable and then um, I cried. I sobbed in there for the next month. And then when you and I were well, at that home was because
1: the Bible was opening up, right?
2: Well, I'd never read these things. Yeah. As LDS, that Bible I mean, when I had my triple combination before the quad came, yeah. I would leave that Bible at home. Didn't need it. It was heavy and I didn't need it at church. <laughs> And I'd never read the Bible except for a passage here or there for a lesson. Hmm. And so, um, this was so new to me, so absolutely wonderful. And I cried and cried for a couple of months.
1: Well, we started reading John at home, and again, we were sitting there crying. Because scriptures that we'd read before, I certainly had. I've read the New Testament many times. They, w- they weren't there when I read them the first time. Mm-hmm. I know somebody put them in there because they just weren't there.
2: Well, I had never read them, so I didn't <laughs> know. But we'd take turns reading five verses, and we were just sobbing. Yeah. And then my first experience in a Christian church was, I believe, in August. Yeah. I It was my utopia day, is what I've called it. It was utter utopia. We went up to Brigham, and we went to um,
1: one of the Christian yeah churches. Aldersgate.
2: I think it was a Methodist church. Uh, a special young friend of ours was being baptized there that day, and I couldn't believe it when I walked in. There were Kleenexes, or there were boxes on each row,
1: tissue, yeah,
2: of tissue, and people. I saw no ties. I saw no nylons. Yeah. I saw lots of jeans, and. There was a band on the stage. And, and the then, music and the words? Oh, the music. And then everybody stood up to sing and the uh, words were up front where we could see them. And I swayed with the music and sang these words. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I was worshiping Jesus. I'd never done that in the LDS church. Mm-hmm. There was such freedom and love in my heart and everyone there was so happy. And um <clears throat> it was just such a profound experience for me.
1: And it just uh, it just kept going from there, didn't
2: it? Yeah, it just got better and better.
1: Well, what do you think the LDS miss? It's certainly this praising of Jesus and they the Bible. Do.
2: Well, and in the LDS Church, I don't think I've said this yet, but in their sacrament meetings, when they sing the hymns, yeah. there's so many many that don't sing, right. and those that do sing, it's real. They're really really yeah. don't want to be singing, right. and it's pretty quiet and humdrum. And this was so opposite. Anyway, how much time do we have?
1: You've got two minutes, my dear.
2: Oh, shoot. There's so much to say.
1: Did you you want to say something specific?
2: I did, and I even wrote it down because I didn't want to miss anything. Okay. And I want to say this to the LDS, but I know this is a question you asked before. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to me? As LDS, he was my older brother, um
1: Satan's brother. <laughs> Satan's
2: brother. He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um but I never knew where he fit in. He was he was not as important as Heavenly Father was. Yeah. And here was Heavenly Father, here's the Holy Ghost, and here's Jesus, but I never never knew where he fit in. And um President Hinckley in his interview with Larry King had said Th- they did not worship the this traditional is, Jesus. Yeah. This is not the Jesus that we worship. And um, One minute, my dear. Oh, one minute. Okay, who Jesus is to me now. Yeah. He is my bridegroom and I am his bride. And um, there is such excitement in this and his spirit dwells inside of me. And it's there twenty-four hours a day, whether I sin, or whether I don't sin, and there's nothing that I can do, to earn, to earn my salvation.
1: Been saved by grace.
2: And I've been saved by grace
1: through His righteousness. Through His
2: right? righteousness for sins past, present, and future. Wow. And I know that someday I will live with Him again. And I know in John it says, "I am." Raise me. Excuse me? Hurry. (laughs) Oh, he says in there, I am the truth,
1: the 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 life,
2: and the life. life. No man cometh to the Father.
1: Love you, Carla. But
2: through me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has been the audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files.